This is the Creative Funding Show, a podcast for authors, YouTubers, and podcasters who want to fund the work they love. Welcome back to the Creative Funding Show. I am your host, Thomas Umstead Jr. Today we're going to be talking about email for creators and email marketing. But first, I have a quick announcement. There's not going to be an episode next week. I'll be an icon at the New Media Summit all week long and will not have a chance to record any episodes, but I'm in the process of working out some exciting guests for future episodes. And if you know of someone who'd be a great guest or a great topic you'd like us to cover, do drop us a line. And I'm specifically looking for people who are either willing to be a guest themselves or are personally friends with someone to be a guest. So just because you want a famous celebrity on the show doesn't mean I'm going to be able to land the famous celebrity as much as I would love to. Uh, but let's talk about email. And I first want to talk about why email is so important for creators. And the first thing is that it's platform independent. If YouTube or Facebook uh, keeps you from contacting your subscribers or you know the algorithm is not favoring you, uh, there's no way to tell them that you've moved to a new platform. Uh, this means you're trapped. If you've built your entire platform on someone else's ecosystem, you've become a sharecropper <laughs> where you are a sharecropper of YouTube, you're a sharecropper of Facebook, and that is a dangerous place to be. Having the email addresses of your subscribers, having had them give you their email addresses allows you to move from platform to platform, which gives you more negotiating leverage. It's very important, very powerful. And while your fans may not see every Facebook uh, post or YouTube notification, they will get every email that you send them. Uh, they may not open them all, so don't expect them to open every email, but they will get every email, and that is very important. And then finally, email is the primary driver of new patrons and backers. Uh, for my Kickstarter campaign, we got 60 to 80% of our backers came from email. And it makes sense. Why would someone give you their money if they're not willing to give you their email address first? So asking for someone's email often is a great initial ask and depending on your audience it may also help you grow your subscribers i know for a lot of my podcasts our subscribers don't not all of them know what a podcast app they don't know is they don't know how to subscribe to a podcast where the new ones are delivered to their phone automatically and they prefer to subscribe by email and they just get an email and they click on the link in the email and they click play on the website and they think that that is what a podcast is and that's fine if somebody doesn't want to learn the amazing magic that is overcast or Castbox, these free apps and they want to listen on the website i'm happy to get their listen uh, anyway so uh, it, that is another advantage of email. When we added email subscriptions to Novel Marketing, it was a really good move. Uh, so before I start giving you tips on email, I do want to talk a little bit about respect. Respect is in the eye of the beholder. You have creepy and you have charming, and there's a thin line in between. When I teach on this to high schoolers, all of the young men always you know, perk up because the, uh, they're like, what is the difference between creepy and charming? And the answer is permission. The same thing that's creepy can be charming with permission. The same thing that is charming can be creepy if you do it without permission. So understanding consent, understanding permission is critical to email marketing. If you don't get this, none of the rest of it matters because you've got to respect people's permission. You've got to respect their consent. If somebody says they don't want an email, they need off your list and they need to be able to get off your list in just one click. 
Don't make them jump through hurdles or hoops in order to get off of your list. Uh, not only is that bad for when it comes to permission and respect, but it's also bad in terms of uh, spam. Because if I have to click twice, it's easier for me to just mark you as spam, and suddenly everyone else in Gmail thinks you're a spammer. So that's how the spam button works. It's not just for your inbox. It's for all inboxes. Unless you're in Outlook, then sometimes it's just for your inbox. But for everyone else who's using web-based email, that spam button is a huge ban hammer. And when somebody hits you with it, it can really damage your newsletter, which means you do not want people to click mark a spam. You want them to instead click one click unsubscribe. So I'm a big fan of that. All right, so let's get to the tips. This deep dive. How do you grow an email list? Well, the number one way is to give people a good reason to subscribe. There should be some initial incentive you give uh, your subscribers, and uh, this is often called a lead magnet. I saw a YouTube channel. It's called uh, the... um, I forget what the name of it is, but it's about programming, agile programming. And the uh, guy who puts together that... YouTube channel creates a free resource with every video he makes. And in order to get the free resource, you have to sign up for his email newsletter, which is really clever. He's like a PDF companion for every YouTube video. I do something similar with novel marketing. We don't do it every episode, but every you know five or six episodes, we'll put together a free resource and everyone gets it who uh, fills out the form. It also goes out to all of our existing subscribers. We do this using a plugin called Bloom for WordPress. It makes it very easy, very powerful. And every time we do a free giveaway of some sort of free resource, free tip sheet or free guide, we see a big surge in subscribers of new people signing up. If you're a band, uh, an easy thing to give away is an mp3 of one of your songs. Uh, If you're an artist, give away a free wallpaper for somebody's computer or design a wallpaper for somebody's phone. Uh, It's very easy for giveaway. Um, If you're an author, if you write nonfiction, I recommend a tip sheet or a resource guide. Uh, And if you write fiction, a free short story. Basically, if you're a fiction writer, if you write novels, short stories are really the only thing that works. Uh, For more about novels and all of that go to my other podcast novel marketing now so anyway give people an immediate reason to subscribe and have that delivered directly to their uh, inbox immediately and we have a whole episode on how to do that in novel marketing i will link to it in the show notes it's about how to create a lead magnets the blocking and tackling and our, our listeners on that show have been getting great results by setting up lead magnets okay tip number two is to create an onboarding campaign These are initial emails that drip out to your subscribers after a set period of time. So they get an immediate email with the lead magnet, the prize, the free song, or what have you. Then uh, you schedule a few more emails to come out after that. And the purpose of these emails is to introduce you and introduce whatever it is that you're creating. Now, the temptation is to just vomit all over someone and tell them all about everything you've ever created. And that is a bad idea. People uh, don't want that much all at once. So think of these emails as a series of dates where people are getting to know you a little bit better. And I recommend having them come out every two or three days for the first week or two. So you set up five or six, five or six uh, drip emails to come out. Uh, over the next couple of weeks. And uh, this this will be done through your email program, whatever you're using. We'll talk more about email programs here in a bit. And they're a great way of introducing your subscribers to your work. And it allows you to focus each email on something uh, specific about what you do 
and it allows you to focus your ongoing emails that you create only to existing fans who are already kind of up to speed. So think of the a drip campaign as getting people up to speed and then uh, your you know weekly emails, or your monthly emails, or your quarterly emails, however often you send them out or for people who've already gone through that onboarding campaign. This also will weed out people who don't really want your emails. And you actually want that. You want to weed out people who aren't serious because you do have to pay for your email service per subscriber. And you only want people who are going to open your emails and who like you. <laughs> so otherwise, you actually want them to unsubscribe. So don't get concerned when people unsubscribe. Good unsubscribes are good. Better to unsubscribe than to mark you as spam. Uh, and we have a great example of this. If you go to novelmarketing.com and sign up for our email newsletter, we have some emails that will drip out to you and introduce you to that podcast. And we've had uh, incredible open results. Our, op- our open rates are between 40 and 60% those emails people love them they click them they reply to them they're fantastic okay tip number three is to provide consistent value this should go without saying you're a creator you're already used uh, to doing this but there's a couple different ways to do this Uh, but the primary thing is you only want to send out emails that your fans want to read you never want to send out an email because you want to send out an email send out an email because people want to read that email So this can be things like new book announcements, a concert in your area. Uh, This is a really common one. MailChimp is a really powerful tool where you can send an email to everyone in your list within 50 miles of a city. So if you're doing a concert in Austin, Texas, you can only email people who live in Austin, Texas. This is a great feature. Um, Maybe fan art for your book if you're an author uh, or, you know, a new, new video on YouTube especially if you don't post often. If you have a daily YouTube show, that may be too much email. But if you only do YouTube videos once a week or once every once in a while, getting an email is a big deal. Uh, There's a YouTube creator I'm a big fan of called CGP Gray, and he makes YouTube videos once every three or four months. And I drop whatever I'm doing when he has a new video come out, and I watch it. And I'd love to get an email of his new videos uh, because you know they're it's rare and you don't know if uh, YouTube notifications are going to let me know about that or not. You can't trust YouTube to notify you because the algorithm is run by little robots and the robots have minds of their own. Literally, it's kind of scary. In fact, C2P Gray has a video about how the robots that run YouTube work. All right, uh, tip number four is to use Mailchimp at least at first. Uh, There's a lot of reasons why I recommend people start with MailChimp. First off, it's free for your first 2,000 subscribers. So if you're starting from absolute scratch, MailChimp is a great place to get started. It integrates with everything. It has decent onboarding features, and it's pretty powerful. It's not the most powerful, and it's also pretty easy to use. It's not the most easy to use, but it's kind of the best bang for your buck, especially when you're first getting started, and it's free. I have an affiliate link that you can sign up for uh, in the show notes if you want to, uh, but uh, I also recommend Drip and Convert Kit, especially if you have over 10,000 subscribers, and if you're wanting to do something a little bit more powerful, the advantage of Drip and Convert Kit is that uh, they're tag-based instead of list-based, so you can do some really cool automations and uh, lots of cool AI-type features. But if you're just getting started and you're just sending simple emails, uh, MailChimp is definitely the place I would start. And you can always move from MailChimp. Once you start paying money, you can move to ConvertKit or to Drip. I will say, though, that it's still cheaper. MailChimp is cheaper per you know 1,000 subscribers than either of those other services. 
Uh, tip number five is to be consistent. Uh, don't boost your frequency without a good reason. So if you're normally sending out an email every month, don't send out two or three emails in a week unless you have a good reason. And people will forgive you if you have a good reason. Good reasons include um, events, if it's an annual event. So if, let's say you put on a conference for your podcast once a year and you send out a bunch of emails around the early bird deadline, you send out another bunch of emails around the sign-up deadline. People are expecting more than one email if it's a deadline-driven thing like signing up for the conference for your podcast. Or you have a book launch. You know, you can send two or three emails the week your book comes out. You know, hey, the book's coming out tomorrow. The book's coming out today. The book's coming out this week. You, you can get away with that, and people, you won't see a spike in unsubscribes. Um, another thing, reason why you want to be consistent on the other side, not to ghost on people, is that you don't want to fall prey to spam traps. So what is a spam trap? People from time to time shut off their email addresses. Say somebody's got a Comcast email address and they decide that Comcast is just the worst and they want to move to some different internet service provider, they move, their Comcast email address no longer works. Well, what Comcast will do is they will turn off that email address for three or four months. And everyone who emails that email address will get what's called a hard bounce. This email no longer exists. And if you're using a service like MailChimp or ConvertKit, when it receives that hard bounce back from Comcast, it will permanently delete that person off of your list. And it's natural every time you send an email out to get a certain number of emails bounced back because emails come and go. Well, let's say you've waited a year and you haven't emailed your list. You didn't get any of those hard bounces in those first few months. And now Comcast has converted that email address that was a valid subscriber is now a spam trap. And you no longer get a bounce back. And instead, every email that goes to that address is automatically marked as spam for everyone in Comcast. This is very powerful. This is one of the reasons why you get far less spam now than you used to. But as an email sender, you have to be aware of these spam traps and how a perfectly valid email address, your own mother, (laughs) could mark you as spam unintentionally. If her email address lapses and you haven't been sending consistently enough, uh, the rule of thumb is to hit your list with some sort of message at least once a quarter. And I think this is a good rule of thumb. And monthly frequency is often the ideal for a lot of creators. But if that's too much for you, you're too busy making um, whatever it is that you make, you can go a little bit less frequently than that. I think a monthly email, though, that kind of summarizes, hey, here are my best blog posts, here are my best YouTube videos, and kind of gives people a summary of what you've been working on is good, though. I I would hit your list at least once a month, but no less than once a quarter, or you may find that your deliverability just falls through the floor. All right, tip number six is to experiment. One of the nice things with MailChimp and ConvertKit is to make it very easy to test things like subjects. In fact, with MailChimp, you can test uh, an email subject where 20% of your list gets subject A, 20% of your list gets subject B, and the balance of your list gets the better performing subject. So in my company, often uh, back when we were sending lots of emails uh, for a company I ran, I would write a headline and one of my employees would write a subject or a headline and we would see which one performed the best. So you'd think the highest paid person would make uh, the best headlines, but that is not always the case. And we let science decide whose headline would reign supreme. There's a great tool to help you write better headlines. It's called the Emotional Headline Analyzer. And I'll, again, I'll have a link to that in the show notes under tip number six. 
And again, you can find all of these show notes at creativefunding.show forward slash zero two zero, or just scroll down in your podcast app and all the links will appear there. All right, so tip number seven is to measure your results. You want to read your email reports. You want to have um, your reply to email address be an email that you get. I get some of my best interactions with fans when they reply to an email that I send out to a thousand people. You know, three or four people respond and have some good engagement with those folks. Another thing is to poll your readers, ask them what they want in your emails, what they don't want. And there's a free service survey monkey that you can use for that. You can also use Google forms, but in general, the more you measure, the better you will do. And then the final tip, tip number eight is to keep it short and simple. So uh, beautiful emails, emails with these gorgeous templates with big banners and flashy graphics end up in Gmail's promotions tab. The better emails to send are just text, maybe with a full-width photo. If you know, you're uh, you're talking about a YouTube video, you've got a screenshot of the YouTube video. If they click on it, it takes them to the YouTube video. But don't go crazy with the photos. Don't go crazy with the design. Believe it or not, simpler emails perform better. Shorter emails perform better. Not always. Sometimes it's nice to send a big, long email, but I've sent out short emails that are just one or two paragraphs, you know, sincerely Thomas Umstadt, and they'll get tons of clicks, tons of interaction. And I think that it'll be easier for you to send out your emails once a month if you're not making it this huge production. It's not a newsletter in the sense that you're like putting together a newspaper and you have to have columns and all this craziness. MailChimp still has that as a like relic of this older time when email newsletters had to feel like paper newsletters don't do that just keep it simple keep it you know keep it simple keep it safe and just send it and and have fun with it uh, beautiful emails they've done tons of tests and i've done tests and everyone's tests agree beautiful emails perform worse they get fewer clicks they sell fewer products they get fewer opens because of how different email services handle them and they're more work to make. So there's no reason to use a big flashy template. Um, the one exception is if your email is fully automated, like the kind that you get from amazon.com. So if you're doing a search for big screen TVs and you, you know you spend 20 minutes searching for HD TVs and you don't buy one, you're gonna get an email from Amazon uh, with you know prices on big screen TVs and you know, encouraging you to come back to the website and buy one. That kind of email can be heavily designed, and people are expecting that to be heavily designed. But they're also not reading that email. They're scanning it very quickly for pictures of uh, TVs and prices. And uh, you're not making that kind of email. If you're a creator, that's not the kind of email you make. So make it an email like you'd send in real life, and that will work out well for you. So anyway, if any of you are going to New Media Summit, do uh, find me. I'd love to connect and give me a shout out. Uh, Perhaps we can get coffee. And uh, for everyone else, I look forward to seeing you. Uh, In two weeks, we'll have a new episode of the Creative Funding Show. I'm Thomas Umstadt, Jr., and you can find out more at creativefunding.show. Thank you for listening.